what's up? Welcome back to the Stefan Era Podcast, the home of everything race, religion, and culture. Hey, y'all, I got baptized today. Like, seriously, like, no lies. Yeah, I was baptized before, and today I got that fresh, fresh. I got that new, new, and it was good. Listen, we back, and we continue in the conversation from last week. Now, I can't give you my entire church life story in like 20 minutes of a podcast or so, right? So there are going to be some gaps here and there. There are going to be some people, places, and things that are missing. And maybe I'll save it all, you know, for the very end. And I'll write a book in the near future. But for now, let's just work with what we got. Amen. So last week I gave you two of my origin churches. I let you know a little bit about how rookie season went. And I feel like a veteran now, even though I don't really know where I am in God's eyes in terms of which year or which season this actually is. But let me now give you a few of the churches that I have gone to recently and what's went down, right? And what went down. And I'm going to give you one of the churches that was before seminary. And then we'll talk about two of the churches that were after. So I do go to a church now that I've been attending for a little over a year or so. But the difference here with this particular church is that I don't work for this ministry. No one knows that I have a degree. No one knows that I teach and preach. I'm just a black dude in the crowd who enjoys the word of God, right? So uh, many of my closest friends who are in the faith, you know, aren't really in faith related positions or jobs. And I think now I really understand why, but that's not here nor there. So moving on today, we got three churches in a lineup. We got Agape Christian Fellowship. We got First Presbyterian Church of Inglewood, and we got Faith Christian Church, right? So pastors Ed Haygood, Harold Kidd, and Larry Taylor. Let me start by first stating that all of these pastors were outstanding men of God. They really were. And man, I love them. And I still love them to this day. What happened to me doesn't reflect their true character, their personhood or abilities. In most cases, it was perhaps just a fallout with some staff, a moment of indecision on their part or things just simply fell apart. Right. So I don't feel that they had an active malice like the pastor from last week in Germany who decided to preach that sermon about me. Yeah, that was open malice. That was fire. That was something different. That was a an active demonstration of his abuse. Now, these guys are not that. They were just growing pains, you know, age differences, perhaps. Um, one of the first churches I went to before seminary was Agape Christian Fellowship with Pastor Ed Haygood. Now, Ed could teach and he was a cool guy. I don't think I have encountered teaching as good as his in a while now. But with Haygood, the problem is all he really cared about was teaching and preaching, right? So as long as he could do those things, those two things, then nothing else really mattered. So when a younger step has showed up because he was invited and excited, you know, came in, went through the motions of becoming a part of the church family, greeting folk, making them feel cozy. You know, what's your cat's name? You know, sharing a gram. If we don't think we had a gram back then, but, you know, sharing whatever it was. And, and there was small issues, though. Right. The small issue was that I had gifts. I came with skills. I wasn't somebody who just showed up, but I actually had a lot to offer and I had a lot in my package. So, see, some people just come and that's all they do is attend, right? And that's cool. Uh, that's their thing. Yeah, but me, I was used to getting on the court at some point. I am not the bench warmer type, you know? So if you put me on the team, coach, and I expect to play, you hear me? So attend Agape, come faithfully, see, uh, uh, see a need for my gifts, right? And two of the gifts that I were, that I was was exercising during that time were number one, uh, performance art. 
So I did like mimes and praise dancing. I put white face paint on, got on stage and did a couple movements and did my thing. And the second thing I was doing back then was gospel plays. You know, I actually wrote and produced and directed gospel plays on my own. So now I go to Hey Good and I tell them, look, I, I really want to do this mime and I want to do it next Sunday. Right? That's how bored I was. I want to do it next week. You know, I've been in church for a little while now and I, I got this thing on my heart. I want to do it next week. And Hey Good is like, oh, all right, cool. Do it next week then. I said, cool. So come to church, say okay, and he put me up there. And I get up on stage and I do my thing. I did a pretty good job. You know, I was like 100 pounds lighter than I am now. I was a little bit leaner, had a little more of that fresh appeal popping. But hey, I, I got up there and I did my thing. And when I got off stage, I had a mom come to me and she had two young boys and she was like, can you please teach them what you just did on stage? Now, trying to be in order and trying to be respectful, I said, let me first get permission from the pastor because this isn't really official ministry here yet. They just gave me opportunity to get on stage so I can do it. Now, shortly after that conversation or shortly like a week or something later, I got pulled into the office by two different elders. You know, one was young that I knew who I, you know, was like a friend. The other guy was just some guy in a church, some older guy in a church, right? So they basically talked to me in a room and like, hey, look, I don't know why the pastor let you get up there on stage because he was out of pocket. You can't do that here again. You can't just come up in here and use your gifts in that way. That's not how it works here. Before you can even be authorized in this church to use your gifts or to get up on stage and do that, you first need to be coming to Bible study consistently, like every Bible study. You need to be doing this and doing that. And, you know, when we're ready and when you've proven to us and when we can see that you're dedicated, you know, then we'll let you know what you can do. Now, mind you, I've been going to this church for at least a few months, at least. And the pastor has said, okay. And no one else was doing it. Church is literally, here goes somebody coming up. They're going to sing for us and give us their song, right? Then we go and preach and we're going home. That's all that was going on. So nothing else was going on. So it wasn't like I was infringing or stepping on anybody's toes. I was just simply creating and presenting something that was not there. So pastor said, okay, nobody else was doing it. And, and it was given something to the actual church, right? In the form of ministry for free. You hear me? For free. You know, I wasn't getting paid for this. I wasn't charged. I was just getting up there simply doing it so that I can, you know, inspire somebody, encourage somebody, all the things that these gifts do. And then two young kids came up and they were really, really interested, you know, in, in learning the gift. But I was told I couldn't do it. And, and that really got to me a bit. So I'm like, well, what am I here for? You know, if this is what I bring to the table, one of the, why, why can't I use this gift, especially if it's not costing anything and it's not hurting anybody? Body. But I try to be obedient. I shut up, shut it down, and I stopped sharing the gift. And it was interesting because a few weeks later, another church nearby had heard that I did mine. Can you believe it? You know, somebody in church told them, hey, this dude got up and he did that. And they were having a church anniversary going on, and they wanted me to come to their house of worship and to do the mine. Now, I was like flabbergasted, to be honest, and I was a little confused because here I am in the church that I call home. And they say, you can't do this yet. Yet a church that I don't know, they have never seen me do it before. You know, usually people want credentials. They want proof. They ask no questions. They were just like, hey, uh, can you come and do it? They, they didn't know if I was good at it. They didn't know if I had any skills. And again, at my home church, 
I had to go through all these hoops and steps and all these different things before I could actually get up and do this just to edify the ministry. However, you know, I, I didn't even know that they didn't know who I was, this church, but they just said, hey, come on and do it. They telling me to come over. So I didn't get permission from the pastor or none of that. I just went and I did the mind, you know, and humbly I killed it. I killed it. I did. And, and so then I went back to my church, you know, and I kept serving, but it still bothered me because how could I go somewhere where nobody knows my name? Nobody knows who I am. I'm a complete and total stranger and they don't even know me and they invite me up to do this freely, but I can't do it here in the place that I come to weekly and that I call home. You know, that was really, really hard for me to understand, but kept serving, you know, and several more months go down the line and I'm in my bag again and I pull out this full length script that I wrote about church. Now, I gave the, the script to Hey Good and I said, just read this. Let me know what you think and how you feel about it. And I guess Hey Good had some time and he got to it and he was on fire. He was excited about it. He spoke highly about it. You know, we had talked about it a few times. So then the idea came up for me to actually lead a drama ministry at that church. Now, again, there wasn't a drama ministry there. There was no plays, no nothing going on. Somebody get on stage and they sang and then somebody, he preaches and then we go home, right? Announcements, it was pretty plain. It was pretty plain bagel, no cream cheese, you know? You choke on that kind of stuff, it's dangerous. Plain bagel, no cream cheese, right? So understand there was like maybe 13 to 20 people there weekly again, right? So I wasn't even, so I was, I was really trying to grow the church and add gifts to it that would provide increase for people can come and see something new, you know, uh, uh, attached to the younger people who were trying to seek out God during that time. But, you know, me being ignorant, me not really understanding the culture, uh, I didn't see at the time that the church really wasn't trying to grow. And maybe it was on purpose, right? It was like a mini mafia. There were a few families in there and they gave all the funds and paid for all the stuff. So really, they ran the church. Pastor got paid to preach and teach and he was happy with only needing to worry about preaching and teaching, right? But for the rest of the church, literally things ran him up. So when I sat down with Hey Good, he said, let me think about it. Let me think about you doing this. He was like, obviously you qualified. You know, I, I had ran plays before when I was in the military traveling around. I did plays before. I've showed him some of those things. And he says, you have the talent, you qualified. We can definitely use the gift. And I said, okay, fair enough. You know, uh, who am I? Pastor think about it. Let me know. So a couple weeks go by. I come to church next Sunday or Sunday after that. And right when it lets out, there's an older black lady, maybe in her 50s or 60s. She's a, a slim build. And she's running around the church gathering people up because she's about to do a play. And she's the new director of the drama ministry. And she is about to put this play on and she needs everybody to gather around. And she's asking me, hey, do you want a part in the play I just wrote? We're going to do this play. And just move moving like a chicken with her head cut off. And I'm sitting there like, hmm, this is really interesting, right? So I go by and I see, hey, good. And I say, hey, uh, hey, good. You know, this is what's going on, pastor. Uh, this is what's being said. This is who is saying it. And I'm just curious. Did you approve all this? This is your doing? 
And his response was like, no, I didn't approve it at all, you know. But, you know, Steve, as far as you leading the ministry here, I don't know what to tell you because truth is she has been a long time member. And she mentioned, you know, years before or whatever, she wanted to do something like this, but it never took off. She never produced anything. I mean, obviously you producing stuff, but at this time, I just can't place you in position to lead that ministry. You know, it might hurt her feelings and this and that and et cetera, et cetera. So I walk out the office with, hey, good and come back. And I'm just like, wow. You know, I, I felt because because remember the mime thing, y'all shut me down already. Right. I got up. I did a mime here for free trying to get some um, art in the church, trying to get things going. And y'all shut me down. Now I'm coming up here with a, a new thing for y'all to do plays and stuff again, trying to get some creative stuff flowing and y'all shut me down. And so I came back. And I just I just kept going, kept trying to work and serve and weeks go by and months go by. And would you believe it that not one play took place? Not one thing with the drama ministry came to pass at all. Literally, not one play was put on in that church the entire time I was there. So it was really about the lady doing it, but but it wasn't even really about her doing it. It was about more so about them stopping me, her stopping me from doing it, right? Maybe she had a jealous spirit. Oh, who is he? I want I ain't did it yet and I ain't produced fruit, but I'm gonna stop him from doing it, you know, because I feel embarrassed or whatever was going on with her, I really don't know. So after a few more months of going through motions like that, I really got frustrated because I was coming to a church. I was coming to a church. That's one thing right there. I was coming to a church, right? Let me say that again, because the problem is people be like, oh, young folks don't what? Come to church. I'm coming to church. I'm coming to your church, right? And I'm being a part of the ministry consistently. And I wasn't charging you. I wasn't getting paid for anything. I was just trying to share the gift to be an encouragement to other people. And it became plain to me that the small families in the church called the shots and not Pastor Haygood. And I love Haygood and I still love Haygood, but couldn't understand how he as pastor and leader was unable to help birth or grow these opportunities. Like, you know, how could he not use this young, handsome buck to grow the church and do the work? Uh, But even more than that, I think I might have just been hurt by the reality that I guess in Haygood, my eyes with Haygood, he places money before his ministry. And I get it, right? These folks pay all the bills. They could say things like, Pastor, I may have to reconsider how much money I give next week in my tithes or offering, you know, or just don't write the check, you know. So, I mean, or simply be short. And then Haygood is stuck and he will suffer the consequences. And I guess that wasn't a chance that he was willing to take for me or for the expansion of ministry at that time. Right. But but man, what that place could have been, where it could have gone. But it's just another dead church on the corner now, in my opinion. Right. Right? And not dead. People go there. But I mean, if you measure a thing by growth and isn't growing, then how do you define that thing? It's more like a club, you know, because I think the families that go there, they're OK with it. They're OK with it just being them and they pastor. That's it. And again, nothing against Hey Good. Man, I love Hey Good, but but nothing against him but that, you know. Otherwise, he was an amazing teacher, a great man, love him to death, but he lost me. And I was a victim of church politics, power and money. And the older generation continues to wonder why younger people don't come to church. Well, they create the circumstances for failure and then blame failure on the victim like it's their fault, you know, but much respect to Ed. I went to seminary, came out of seminary. That's a whole nother story for another time. And while in seminary, towards the end of it, I met Harold Kidd. And man, I love Harold. 
You know, he came to the school. He was in search of a Sunday school superintendent. He met me. He took me out to lunch, paid for everything. I said, man, not only is he a pastor, but he's coming down. He's down to earth. He's reachable. I ain't got to go to him, but but he's a pastor who came out to me where I was at and met me where I was. Now, Harold was Presbyterian. And I didn't know anything about them, but if they had a black pastor there and it was cool as Harold was, then something must be going right. So Harold invited me out. I came out and then I was invited to look over the facilities, the programs and things like that. And I actually provided them a list to Harold and his committee of the things that need to be fixed. Right. And things that I would do to fix it if I was here. I mean, things from like the color of the walls to like they had toys there that were from 1940s and books and different teachers. Aids. Uh, they had art of like white Jesus and books with white children that didn't connect to or resemble the black and Latino children who were attending the church at that time in that era. So gave the list to Harold. Harold offered me the job and I took I took him on it. I took a look and I took him on it. Right. And before I took the job, though, I told him, I said, look, Harold, I'm more into the streets. I'm just a regular guy. I haven't really been in church like that in a while. In fact, I started a seminary. I haven't been going to church. And there's another guy named Steve who was there who actually grew up in that style of church and culture. So I said, hey, use him. He's more likely what you're looking for. He already understands the way the denomination works. He's already been serving in a separate congregation. There's your guy, right? No problem at all. No hard feelings. There's your guy. And Harold said, nah, we want you. But we will consider using you both. So I guess Harold talked to his pastor and, you know, Steve's at a different church during that time. And I guess the pastors didn't want that. They were friends and pastors didn't want to let Steve go. So therefore... Um, Steve couldn't come. And I'm not going to talk about the way that that pastor did him because that was disgusting. It really was. And it was very sickening. Um, Steve's a great guy and he's done great things, but that was terrible the way he was treated at that church. I ain't saying no names. Angela Mesa. I ain't say that. <laughs> but anyway, I came to Inglewood. Presbyterian Church and, and with Harold. And man, I, 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 look, I love Harold. I tell you, I love Harold. I loved Harold. We went to the movies together. We ate out together. We talked. Harold was the man. Harold still is the man. I love him very much. We co authored a church initiative. I wrote it, but he helped to get it tightened up and get funded and approved. And Steve even pitched in also. You know, we kind of co wrote it. So I became director. Now, fast forward to maybe a full year in the ministry or a bit more. And I'm the, the Sunday school superintendent gig is going well. It's done. I've connected with kids already. Ready. I'm going to their basketball games. I'm taking them out. I'm stopping by their houses. I'm being a mini pastor to families. I'm developing and ordering curriculum. I'm being promoted now to director of the Joshua Initiative that I co-wrote with the pastor. So along with the duties that were that I already had, now let's add reaching out to community partners, making the church a community resource, throwing on events for the community, all that, right? And preaching and teaching on the side. So leading small groups, all that. And getting an increase in pay. So seminary is fully done. Graduated, got my master's degree. Harold came out to the graduation with Loretta Rogers, an elder in the church who I still love to this day. Been in the director role for a while now, had a small office just outside the church down by the parking lot on the church grounds. There was a school there at the church, a preschool, and they had classrooms uh, about maybe two or three, two times down, uh, two or three classrooms they used uh, that was located downstairs, you know, and upstairs they had a set of classrooms and they were a Sunday school class for the church. 
and I had an office way back in the corner for use whenever I wanted to use the office. With the new position came more pay uh, and more responsibility, but slowly and surely, Pastor Kid became executive business officer due checking the time clock kid as opposed to pastor kid. Now the church was a business all of a sudden and Harold now made it his duty to account for every hour spent and to take away or to keep funds based on what activities you did, right? I'm not sure he was being um, treated that way as pastor, but he was sure making sure that we were. So there were several problems with this, but the main one was that the contract stipulated that I got paid no matter what. I had hours I had things to do, but I should have always got paid 40 hours for doing 40 hours. It was that simple, right? So Harold really shouldn't have been trying to decide what actions I was doing and if I got paid or not for doing them and if they were related to the position. So if I was talking to someone about the program or if I was visiting a location for something or if I was drafting a document, Harold would look and decide after I gave him a report of what I did every day for the last whatever two weeks, every two weeks, every hour, then he would decide if he thought it fit my job. And if it didn't, then he just wouldn't pay me for the task. And he would he would literally take away that time. If I said I was an hour at Starbucks talking to somebody, he would take that hour away and dock it from my check. Now, maybe if it was a side job, it would have been okay. Well, nah, honestly, it possibly would never have been okay. Uh, and fam, I put so much work in at this church. I mean, I live there. I wish I could show every detail of everything that I did because I love that place. You know, I got so involved and I just, I love that place. And there are still programs today at that church that I started years ago. But now all of a sudden, forget all that's been revamped, forget all that exists now because of you, we're a business. Right. And now we must account for every second and you'll be penalized if they feel or if Harold feels it's outside of your job description. So imagine how things changed in the relationship and the freedom that I had in the creativity of the work. It just all changed. And then came the incident. Right. And your boy Steph did something unimaginable, something terrible, something unforgivable in the Presbyterian church that will go down in history as the most infamous thing a person has ever done to a church and its Presbyterian congregation. And I'll tell you all about that next week when you return for part three of this story. (laughs) Yep, I did it. Hey, don't get mad. Don't get mad. Your TV shows do it to you and you don't complain. So I'm going to need you to sit down. Sit down, sir. Sit sit down, man. Yes, you in the back. Yep, sit down. Sit down, sir. Sit down. Listen, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you love it and you like it, you know, if you really want to continue the efforts and the hard work and the talent going on here, then please share it with your friends. It's one of the cheapest and easiest ways to support the podcast. Just share it. Just share the link with some of your friends, right? Now, if you want to go further than that, then you can throw a few dollars on me at Cash App or Venmo. The tag is Stephen G1963. That's Stephen G1963 for you in the back. Stephen G1963. Or simply drop me an email at Humble Talent One, the number one, Humble Talent, the number one, at SBCGlobal.net. Listen, we out of time. How at your boy directly and until then next time peace love grace we out man